Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Talking heads in the media that think the University of Miami, Emil, should forfeit their win against Duke. That is so yeah, okay. stupid. It makes me laugh. I mean, what, what is, is this? Now? The Brady Bunch? You remember that? You remember that show when Greg took the picture in the end zone when he was injured? I don't know if you ever remember that. And he came no. home and told his dad. <laughs> Come on, already, man. Like, what? What is it? Is that what media has been reduced to? Um, these bums yes. in the media are just going to jump out there today and just say something so they could get a sound bite. Is that it? Why don't some of these guys just get mohawks and paint their hair orange? You'll get attention for that. At least you won't be as stupid as you sound. That's just ridiculous. I heard one of them saying this yesterday, and I read an article, and I swear to God, I thought of that episode. I mean, I mean, if you recap, Greg was hurt. He took a picture in the end zone. He came home and told Dad Brady, and his father mm-hmm. said, Greg, you need to go to the school and show them the picture that that your guy was out of bounds, and of course yeah. he did. <laughs> I mean, it was like one of those. It was like one of those commercials when the when the kid. What's that one with the basketball commercial? Pass it on, you know. With, uh, yeah, coach, coach, I touched the ball. <laughs> you know what? It really happened. Your coach just said, "Good." He'd slap you back inside the head and say, "Shut up." <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Sit down. Unbelievable. Yeah. Or he'd probably get done like the. Uh, the, uh, what was that? What, what was it was on the news yesterday? A Romanian um, soccer coach for I guess a teen team um, was kicking his kid, kicking one of his players by the bench on the sideline during the game. I mean, really going to work. I, I don't know what he was oh. doing. I don't know what they accept over there in Romania, but uh, I guess apparently showing the kid what he wanted to do when he was on the field. And since no ball is around. I'll just kick the hell out of you, and this is what I need How you doing. How old is this kid? Is, this, this, is he a young 16. kid? Is he a high school kid? 16. 16 kid getting stomped. Well, 16 in Romania is like being 46 in the United States. I mean, when you're 16 I, yeah, in Romania. Yeah, they're smoking cigarettes yeah. and drinking scotch. Yeah. Right? Uh, that's probably what's going on. I don't mean to make light of that, but um, you got to see the clip. The coach is stomping the kid, and then a couple kicks. And I guess that's just hands-on coaching that you got going on over there. But you know what? The, you know what drives me haywire with this whole Miami thing? It's just any game like that, okay? Every person that sees a bad call in their life, 
always wants to only go to that call and say, okay, well, that decided the game. And if, you, if you're using that logic, well, then you would have to go back and replay every bad call in the game. I mean, it's no different. Like, you're watching the game, the ball game. It's the ninth inning. The bases are loaded, two outs, three, two pitch. The ball's high. It should have been a ball. They, they punched the guy out. We should have had the tying run come in. The game should still be going on. Well, okay, they threw 300 pitches in that game. Let's go see how many other ones the umpire missed and go back yeah, to that point in time. It's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And uh, you've got all kind of people coming out. Like, where, where was all this outrage in that night in 2003 in the Fiesta Bowl when Miami got completely robbed? Where was all that outrage? You know, before we even get to that, it's been, uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to see the game. Obviously, I was traveling. But apparently, the touchdown that Duke got to take the lead was some BS. Does anyone was, want to listen, talk about that? You could do that, just that game in 2003. If you talk to an Ohio State fan, okay, go back to that game. You talk to an Ohio State fan, oh, my God, he was definitely working the receiver. You, you know, and obviously most, almost all Miami fans, and most fans, I would say it's 70-30, say, no, nah, you, you just let them play on. But my point is, there's a million calls in a game. You can't just – you don't just win or lose a game. I, I never felt that based on one call. Unless unless the game's fixed and you get, like you tell me down there every once in a while, you get some egregious officiating in high school where basically it, it, it's almost funny. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, the refs aren't doing that at major college games and pro games. So there's going to be 15 calls in a game where you could debate them. You can't just go to the one at the end of the game and say, okay, well, that one was wrong, so therefore, you know what? You should just call them up and say, we don't want the win. Are these people talking like this, Duke grads? I mean, why are you this interested? This is why I'm saying um, it's been a while since the University of Miami has had a victory that has pissed people off, and clearly people are pissed off because as we go through this season, Emil, with the crazy finishes that we've had in college football and the questionable calls that have, you know, led to some victories or an upper hand or a change in a change in momentum that's led to a close win for a team. I have not seen this kind of outpouring for a reversal um, for any of these other games. Why Miami? Why Come on, Miami? You're, you're asking you're asking a rhetorical question that I know you, being a smart man, already knows knows the answer to. But since you asked it and lobbed me a softball answer for you, Duke, throw it out there, little Duke. Poor little Duke with their 7,000 students or whatever they have is a basketball school. And, oh, my God, they had a 6-1 and one football team. And poor little Duke had big, bad Miami, you know, the Hurricanes, five national championships. They had them beat. They came all the way down the field and won. And those mean refs stole it from Duke. They stole it and gave it to those thug Hurricanes. That's That's why. I mean, we're not thugs anymore. I mean, come on. No, you're what only thugs when you're winning. Not now. Not now. No, this, we're now only not thugs. Con- yes, it, we, our we, police we, blotter only mattered when we were winning. When we went into your stadium and blew you the hell out, or we were, you know, raising our coach up on our shoulders and walking him across the field. You know, that was the only time we were thugs. And when we're not winning, we are. What are we, choir boys? Listen, the activity on campus is still the same. Okay, it's still the same. If anything, there's been more, uh, not just at Miami, but er- across the country, just in society in general, there's been more. Uh, Nobody cares behavior. when you're not winning, Chad. And that's here's the thing. This this 
narrative fit the the media's board, let's face it. They have to fill I say this every show, but you you always keep asking they have to fill a lot of airtime, okay? They got uh, you know, there's really not a lot going on uh between Monday and Friday football-wise. You know, you have occasional Thursday games. They need to fill airtime. So now they can go on Monday and rant and rave and talk about how how poor Duke got you know got robbed. Let me ask you, if this was Alabama that got robbed, let's pretend Miami, who's kind of a little bit down and out right now by Miami standards, had beaten mm-hmm. Alabama like that. Do you think anybody care? No. They'd be happy. They'd be thrilled. Big bad Nick would get it stuck to him because we all know he's a mean man. It would be fine if Miami won that way. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's, that's the narrative. It's, it's, I, you, these people are so predictable. That I, as I get older, I, I have a. T- I mean, I'm telling you right now. You think I'm kidding with you when I said I wasn't watching a game last night? I have a hard time watching some of the sports anymore because I'm becoming so cynical. I can't even listen to some of these people talk because I know where they're going with things. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, when Andrew Luck threw a pick last night and John Gruden, I turned the game on in the fourth quarter, and uh, or flipping channels, I should say, middle of the game, and I heard Gruden say this. I just kept going. He said. There must be something wrong with Andrew Luck. He must be hurt. Why? What, because he stinks tonight? No, because he's the poster boy for the NFL, and they have him on DirecTV commercials, and you can't say that Andrew Luck stinks. So you have to make up all these excuses. Then all of a sudden, he has this miraculous recovery, throws for about 300 yards in the fourth quarter. Oh my God! Well, you know, you know what Gruden is. I like Gruden, and you know what he is. He's just uh, a quarterback apologist, and uh, he's gonna make he's gonna make every little excuse possible for them. But the truth of the matter, is, and it's just so funny and ironic that I had this battle in the off season with people. Uh, right before the season, when we were talking about who the top, I put out a list of the top five quarterbacks, and everyone wanted Andrew Luck up on the list, not just at five, man. They wanted him at three and all kind of other crap going on, and here he is um, kind of showing where he's at in his career. And I'm not saying this, that, like, you know, Andrew Luck's not going to be great when all is said and done in he his career. He might not just, be, though. I mean, just you keep might saying not be. maybe that is, he might not be. Might not be. I'm I know what he is right, right now, now for- not ready to be in the top five. I know that. I hammered Cam Newton a couple of weeks ago because he still makes some head-scratching picks. But I'm telling you, after watching that ball that that guy throws last night and watching some of the garbage that they've given him outside, aside from his tight end Olsen, okay, I'm telling you that if you put Cam Newton with the Colts receivers, he would easily put up the same numbers that Andrew Luck does. Man, what Cam Newton, which brings us to another thing, and we're going to have, uh, you know, just to, just to let you guys know what we got coming up on the show today. We're going to talk, obviously, NFL. We're going to recap the action in the NFL. Uh, so we're only on well, for an hour with you today, but we're going to recap the action in the NFL as well as in college football. So we will get into some NFL discussion and with some interesting things going on. But um, Cam Newton with – a hodgepodge of, I hate to say this, no names at the wide receiver position and hardly a running back that people would call one of the top in the league, one of the tops in the league. They are 7-0 and in, yes, they in the are. NFL right now. How, how, is, how is this happening, Amos? I don't know, but that game that game last night scared me. I thought they were going to be six and one. I mean, that was an epic meltdown. They were they were trying to lose, and when I don't know if you saw that overtime play, but when Ginn dropped that ball, I mean, 
Yeah, why the hell? He looked that? right over at the safe. He, he was trying to figure out, am I going to get drilled here? Yeah, well, you and know, you keep throwing him the ball like that. At some point, he's going to drop one of them bad boys. But but did you see his oh, eyes? Yeah. And Mike Tirico goes, he just dropped it. He didn't look at the safety. I'm like, what? <laughs> he looked right at the safety. Yeah, yeah, good grief. Um, but, man, listen, you have those kind of games. You know, you do. you do have those kind of games on your way to being undefeated, and um, you know you just you you find well, they a way have a to big win, one next week though. I mean, they have a big one next week because a very wounded and I'm I'm gonna guess angry Packer team is coming in. Yeah, it's gonna be a hard game for the win for them to win. Uh, and if they come out of that with a victory, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to call them guys the best team in in the NFL. Can we say that? I don't know about that. I would still say the Patriots, but I mean, if you in the NFC for sure, because I'm telling you, that's a tough game when you when you come off first of all short rest. I think they said there was 150 some snaps in that game last night. So you played a game in overtime, extra snaps, short rest. You got a motivated Packer team coming in. If they can win that game at home, uh, to me, yeah, they immediately become the favorites in the NFC. Yeah, um, at 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 the very least. Um, so, um, kudos to them for, for just continuing to find ways to win. And again, you couldn't name that wide receiver squad that, you know, Cam Newton's working with. So, uh, a lot of but how could you waste a guy like Newton? See, to me, I look at a guy like him, you give him a guy, and I know they don't fall off trees. Okay. Guys like Des Bryant and Julio Jones. I get that. Okay. I'm not naive. But you give him a receiver like that, a guy like a Julio Jones, a Des Bryant, a guy who can really just change change a defense. It, it opens up so much with a guy like Newton because he can I mean, he can run when he has to. I mean, he, he's got a cannon for an arm. I mean, he just throws a beautiful football. I mean, boy, can he spin it. I mean, I'm watching him last night just flicking that wrist out there. Whew. I mean, he spins that ball. It's beautiful. Yeah, and you know, uh his performance with what he's working with, what uh Peyton Manning is doing right now with what he's working with, and I'm not talking about his receiving core. Um and you match that up against, you know, some of the other stuff that we've got going on. We got to wonder, um is the whole passing thing in the NFL being overblown? We'll talk about that among other things when we get back after this first break on the Gridiron Stud show. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. 
That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Attention all you defensive backs out there. The position you play is the toughest on the football field. Being a great athlete helps, but nothing makes you better at being a defensive back than technique, and technique is what they teach at Lockdown University. Lockdown University is a private group on Facebook where you can get videotape breakdowns of technique and scheme to help you improve your game and take it to the next level. College football players use it. High school football players use it, and you can use it too. Are you a defensive back coach and want to raise your athlete's level of play? then you can jump on board with Lockdown University, too. Right now, they're offering a free seven-day trial of their service. Just send an email right now to LockdownU at GridironStuds.com. That's LockdownU at GridironStuds.com, and you can start on your way to dominating wide receivers today. Don't wait. Your competition is getting better every day, and you should be getting better, too. Send an email to LockdownU at GridironStuds.com right now for more information. Emil, breaking news coming in here and continuing the trend of uh, getting rid of coaches in the middle of the season, not even letting them get to the end. The Titans have just announced that they are letting go of Ken Wisenhunt. They've had enough. He's out of there. Just another Wow. Game. I, 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 I heard that earlier, and I didn't know if it was true. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, don't, know, I don't know exactly what they're – uh, cases with him, you know, like why, why all of a sudden this, the middle of the year, what they expected or what he's not doing. But I mean, they're just they're not a very good football team. So I didn't know, you know, they're one and six. But I mean, they're just not very good. How I much mean, of that is Wizen Hunt, though? I mean, you have a, a roster of nothing. You've given yeah, but the guy that's what nothing I'm to work with. It's amazing. I mean, you know, I mean, if you look at the games here, I mean, he played Mettenberg the last two weeks. I guess Mariota's been hurt. They lose mm-hmm. twenty to six at Houston. I mean, you don't have a quarterback in the NFL. It's hard to score. They lose ten seven against Atlanta. They're competitive. I mean, the defense the last two weeks. You can't complain in the NFL in today's game if your defense is giving up ten and twenty points. You know, with not nothing on offense. I mean, the Dolphins blew them out. They lost a fourteen thirteen game the week before that to the Bills and a thirty five thirty three game to to Indianapolis. I mean, flip. You know, three games they lost by three points or less. So I mean I don't know like is I mean is that him? Um, I guess they're saying that it is, and if they're saying that, then it is what it is, as they say. Quick, you name know, five guys term, on the Tennessee Titans. You can't use um, Mariota, good or Matt I just gave you them. <laughs> no quarterback. Bishop name five. Sankey. Bishop Sankey. And listen, Sankey? I'm in the business. Or Sankey. Yes. Um, well, Sankey, considering the record, um, Justin Hunter. Um, yeah, it's two. Does Does Griffin still play for those guys? Does he? You're asking. Does he? I don't know. Cody Riggs. The only reason I, I know that know. is my point is I couldn't even correct you. Old. I don't know five guys on the freaking Titans without going right. to the. Right, you can't. ESPN you can't even roster. grade my test. <laughs> no. 
You can't even grade my damn test. All right, well, look, I mean, before we on, went man. to the break, the, the Titans are the Titans, man. And, they are, you know, basically they are what they are. And for those of you who are not aware, in the weakest division of all of uh, professional football, and that we can stretch that to Canada, and if there's any European leagues out there, we'll include them in this. The AFC South is the weakest thing you'll ever see in your life. Uh, truly limp. The Tennessee Titans are at the bottom of that thing holding it up. Tennessee's one and six. Underneath the Jacksonville Jaguars, I guess that alone will get you the sword. Um, and it is. Uh, oh, well, and let me tell you, that division, that division makes the NFC East look like the NFC East of the 90s and 80s because that's how bad the AFC South is. This thing is tragic. The Colts lead the division, Amos. At three and five. The Colts, no, not just three and five. They have a score differential of minus 30. Do you understand that? Do you understand what that means? No, I understand. Means? Yes. Uh, they're on a three-game losing streak, eight games into the season, and they have the top spot in the league. Yeah, but you know what they're I hope division. happens? Because, see, I, here's here's what I don't like about the way the NFL is anymore. Years ago, when they had the, the five-team divisions, when there was 30 teams, so they had, you know, six five-team divisions, you were mm-hmm. playing half of your games, eight of the 16 in your division. So I got the whole division championship thing, because you're playing 50% of your games against common teams. Right. Now you got 16 games, you're playing six games in your division. That means the vast majority, over 60%, are outside of the division. For me, I just want to see the teams in the conference, one through six, and have the playoffs. Um, you know, if this kind of stuff here continues to happen, I'm sure there'll be uh, quite a bit of noise for, for, you know, for that to be the case. Because, I mean, you can't have this. How's this thing going to end up? I mean, what if, no, what if you one of these guys divisions for schedule. You can keep divisions for scheduling purposes. So, in other words, if you had 16 teams in the NFC, right, you would play, you know, 12 NFC games, okay? So, so you'd have a rotation of how you're going to skip three teams every so many years, and you would play your four AFC games. So you'd still play the same combo, 12 and 4, but just seed them like they do, you know, seed them and, and, and move on because there's no point the, the way it's situated right now you have sit, and it's not like we're saying, oh, it's an outlier. This doesn't happen that often. We had an eight and eight Carolina team make the playoffs last year. Uh, we had the Eagles sit home at ten and six. We had a seven and nine Seattle team make the playoffs four years ago. It's it's becoming more and more common. So for me, it's like, do you, is that really what you want your league about? You want a ten and six team sitting home a quality football team that won more than 60% of their games so an 8 and 8 team can play how many people are upset about this though you know how many people uh, are truly not many cuz listen you, you don't get me off on a tangent i keep telling you the nfl is about gambling and fantasy football most of the people watching it anymore are not guys like us they're guys that are either uh, betting on you're it you're right and, they, and that's they, how the game has grown on. into a billion-dollar industry off of that. So there'll be gambling. there'll be a death they, they on the game. Any. Yeah, look at the fantasy football. That's what the, you watch the shows on ESPN now and Fox Sportsnet. All they have fantasy shows geared to picking your roster for these one-week leagues. I mean, most of these people are not thinking about the playoffs in the uh, in a pure football sense like we are right now. They're thinking, who am I going to take on Sunday? <laughs> that's it. True, and you know there was an interesting thing being that was said here, and I'm not sure which which individual high up in the NFL hierarchy in the front offices made this statement, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was when 
if there is a change in the legal status of fantasy football, daily fantasy football to be exact, then our opinion on fantasy football will change. That was a statement that was made. So it almost sounds to me like if betting on the games was not illegal, then if they somehow made betting on the games legal in all 50 states, then the NFL's stance on betting on games would then change. Are they not? Is that Listen, not like what's being said there? Because there's no doubt. I'm not trying to patronize gambling. you here because I, I think I think you already know the answer to this, and and I think you're, you maybe you're just playing along for 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 radio's sake. The NFL has no problem with gambling on games. L- let me tell you something. If the NFL cared and really was against gambling on games, why would they put out injury reports? Well, seriously, what the hell do, do I need to know? the status of the quarterback for a team until I turn the freaking game on if I'm not gambling on it. What does it matter? Because I'm a hardcore fan, and I need to know before I buy a ticket to go to the stadium today if Listen, you sound Tom like Brady's going to play. You're, you're, you're stretching it. You know that that's all BS. Guy's going to the game. If the game's in Miami, he's going for a couple days. Going to get a, you know, going to go enjoy the restaurants, the, uh, everything that surrounds uh, going to a game, and then he's going to the game. Whether Tannehill's playing quarterback, whether Chad Wilson comes in and plays quarterback, it doesn't matter. He's going the game. If he's bringing his wife or he's going with his buddy, they're going the game. It's about gambling. They don't care. The NFL is so full of crap. About about you know we really don't approve of gambling on the games, but we're going to give you the injury report every day from practice and tell you if the guy was limited, if he if he, if he uh, stretched. <laughs> well, now they can hide under they can hide under um, you know the fantasy football uh, for the reasons as to why they're giving that out. But nevertheless, uh, before we went to the break, I touched on an interesting topic here. It is that the NFL is past happy and that it's all about throwing the football and your success in this league. And uh, that's what everyone's being sold on. There is a fantasy football component to that. But uh, I'm here to challenge that. I've been doing that. Anyone that follows me on Twitter knows that this is, you know, I've been, I've been on that. Just, just throwing the ball around the yard type deal um, is exciting to watch. It's fun for fans. It's not the road to success. And we have right now four teams in this league that are undefeated. We've got the Denver Broncos, we've got the Carolina Panthers, we've got the Cincinnati Bengals, and we've got the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. Of those four teams, only one of their quarterbacks are in the top five statistically right now in the NFL, that, you know, which obviously is built on passing stats, and that's Brady at number two. Here's a look at where the rest of the quarterbacks for these undefeated teams are ranked. The next one is Andy Dalton. Uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals, who sits at number nine, uh, comfortably outside of the top five. Uh, next is going to be good old Peyton Manning, who has always been one or two, or at the least three in these stats. And here's a season which probably is his worst since his rookie or early years in the league, uh, as he's sitting here with seven TDs and 11 interceptions. He's ranked number 14, yet the team that he plays for is currently undefeated, and just took out the Green Bay Packers for everyone to see in prime time. And then the Carolina, who we spoke about, has a quarterback that's ranked number 25 in passing statistics. Uh, 
is this an indictment on that whole theory of throw the ball around and win? I mean, because if you are – who threw the six touchdowns this weekend? Was that Drew Brees or was that Eli Drew Manning? Drew Brees had seven. He had seven. Seven. You threw seven touchdowns, and you needed overtime to win the football game. I know this, Emil. If your running back runs for 200 yards in the NFL, there's no overtime. You probably beat the other team by at least two touchdowns. So this whole notion of well, this is a passing I think league. I, I, I get where you're going, and I, I'm in your corner, buddy. I'm in your corner. I think you may be oversimplifying it in this sense. I think you need both, and, and I think it's about balance. Because I mean, I, here I'm going I'm to give you the I'm going to play devil's advocate. Here's the top rushing teams in the league. Okay, number one, Carolina. So they support your argument. They're seven and zero. They lead the league, 144 yards running a game. The Seahawks mm-hmm. are second, like they normally are in the top five, and they're four and four. The Rams are four and three. They're third. The Buccaneers are three and four. They're fourth. The Vikings are five and two. They're fifth. The Cowboys are sixth. 128 yards a game. They're two and five. How about them Cowboys? Well, well, yeah. I guess um, where I'm, well, I guess where I'm going is you got to have some quarterback play. There's no doubt about that. And I think to your point, I guess point, you can't be I extremes think, on both ends. Yes, you can't be. You can't say you know any any. I can stick any slap behind the center, and if I can run the ball, I'm going to win because. That 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 isn't going to happen. But I, I get your point. And when you you look at that passing list, you know Phil Rivers leads the league in yards. Uh, San Diego not a very good team. Obviously, as you had Brady and Ryan and Palmer doing well. Breeze, eh, mm-hmm. they're an all right team. Flacco, mm-hmm. they stink. Uh, the Giants, I mean, they're four and four by by virtue of their division. They stink. We saw that on Sunday. Uh, the Lions are horrible. And then, as you said, Andy Dalton's down there. Uh, Alex Smith in Kansas City. They're terrible. The Dolphins are what they are. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess so, yeah, what I'm they, saying is no one's making the argument that uh, this is a running league. They're making the argument that this is a passing league. And I'm refuting that with what I'm saying here. Basically, you can't have extremes on either end. You can't be an ext- you know such an extreme running team that you you have no passing attack, and you can't be an extreme passing a team that you just don't have a running attack. I'm saying this to everyone, and I'm going to sound like a complete wacko in saying this because they just look like the juggernauts of all the NFL. But I'm telling you right now, Emil, if the New England Patriots do not find themselves a running game and they get themselves too comfortable with tossing the ball to Deion Lewis and calling that, you know, these little short swing passes or these quick screens and calling that their running game, they're going to get bounced out of the postseason. They're not going to win a Super Bowl doing that. When they go third and one and they go empty backfield and their solution to getting that one yard is throw throw a pass to Edelman, there's going to be a point in the season and in the playoffs where it's cold and the ball is a little slick and it's not as deflated as it was last year. Right, or someone <laughs> comes up with just some little funky little coverage that causes a problem, yep. and now to defeat that, you got to turn around and hand the ball to somebody and get physical, and you can't do it, your season's over. You know, well, I'm just surprised you're a de- I mean, I think part of it is personnel is what you're going to tell me. But you're, you're a defensive coordinator. I'm surprised more teams right now don't just approach the Patriots by playing them and saying, you know what, we're going to let them run if they want to run. In other words, kind of what Penn State did to Miami, I hate to bring that up to you, in 1986 mm-hmm. when Testaverde threw the five picks. Miami went up and down the field, and I still to this day, and Jimmy Johnson agrees with me, I watched that game as in college. Mm-hmm. Had they continued to hand the ball to Alonzo Highsmith, 
they would have won that game. But Miami said, you know what, we throw the ball, damn it. We have a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, and they just kept throwing it, and, and they had 500 yards and five interceptions at the end of the game. And I, I, I don't know why some teams don't approach New England like that and say, you know what, they're not going to run the ball. If they want to, we'll let them do it for a while. It'll slow them down. Because um, they're not paid Yeah, and you know what, Ohio it. State, in that uh, the end of that 2002 season, followed a similar game plan um, where they – laid off of the receivers because they had such a dangerous receiving core that would go deep and get big plays. They laid off. They were off nine, ten yards on those guys and dared them to just throw the short passes. We'll just come up and tackle. And, you know, it seemed in that night Miami just kept going for those big plays instead of nickel and diming their way all the way down the field. And this is going to eventually end up happening to the Patriots at some point. Like you said, there will be a weather issue or there'll be someone that comes up with some funky little yeah, coverage. Yeah, some coordinator realizes, can these guys be patient enough if I just go play a basically a 3-8 umbrella defense, knowing that they're not going to they're not going to run the ball. And I just let them go. You know, I I'll let I'll let you run the ball if you want cuz it'll 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 slow your pace down. I don't think you'll continue to run it cuz you're in such love with throwing it. And I'm just wondering if someone has the personnel if they could pull something like that off against them because they really seem like they're enamored with throwing the football all over the place and showing just how how great they are. I thought it was the thing that kept them away for 10 years from winning a championship. Um, When they first were winning the championships, they had a certain amount of reverence for the running game, and then they let Brady do his thing when he needed to do his thing. And it turned from when Tom Brady became this big star and cover boy that we wanted to feature him more and throw the ball around more and have five wide receiver sets all the time and just keep – chucking it around and giving Tom all the glory, which, you know, from um, a franchise-building standpoint was a good thing, but it kept them from winning Super Bowls. And I thought last year, especially when they acquired um, LeGarrette Blount, they had a newfound commitment to the running game, and that carried them through the postseason, and 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 it ultimately got them a championship, and it seems they're they're trying to flip it back the other way now. And I'm telling you, if well, they those don't... Super Bowls, those Super Bowls with the Giants that they lost, if anything, the inability to consistently run the football certainly didn't slow down the Giants' pass rush. I mean, that's I mean, if you, if you really want to break those games down, forget the catches and that's all really the other That's really what crazy. it boiled down to. Yeah, it, but they could not exactly slow down the Giants' pass rush. A good summary of what happened there. You know, a good yeah. summary of what happened there. They just kept getting after them, and um, all that pressure disturbed their passing game, and when they needed to do something to slow that down, they really couldn't do it. They just weren't used to, didn't have that mindset, couldn't go out and pound the football and slow those pass-rushing defensive ends down, and ultimately they lost, and I could see something like that happening again. Let's Let's talk about a game that went on on Sunday night, which kind of leads into uh, that kind of coincides with what we're talking about here. Um, we all know about Aaron Rodgers, one of the you know one of if not the best pure passer in the game right now, and uh, one of those teams that got to throw the ball around. And when you went into a game against a team that could pass rush you and had two outstanding corners and a pretty solid secondary, um, you had a you, to say he had a hard time. Um, would be an understatement. 77 yards passing for Aaron Rodgers in that game against Denver. And that's kind of a prelude of one of the things that I think you could see happening to to the Patriots. Agree or disagree yeah. on that? 
Well, I do. I just, you know, for me, and you know, last week when I made my silly list that you let me make my quarterback list, you know, you said why did I have Brady over Rodgers? And forget all the Super Bowl crap and all that stuff. You know, you can always mm-hmm. make arguments. You know, a lot of guys won Super Bowls that maybe were not shouldn't be on a list. But for me, Brady will have games where he's not great and he, and he can get beat certainly. But I just I don't remember too many games like that for Brady, and that's not saying Aaron Rodgers isn't great because he's definitely in the conversation with Brady for still as the two best quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the game. But but I just mm-hmm. don't remember too many games where, where, where Brady had seventy seven yards passing. Uh, no, but 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 he did have a game in Kansas City last year where he just kept throwing the ball to the guys in red. I think he threw four interceptions. Yeah, in well, it happens. I'm just saying, I, I think I think Brady, the thing that I've always been impressed with him, even if I don't love him as a person, he seems to be able to move the football with not a lot outside. I mean, you know, Gronk, sure, you got Gronk. But, I mean, their receivers are, I mean, they're 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 just guys. And the Packers certainly have more talent, even without Jordy Nelson. Certainly have more. Wow, talent. what did it, no? I don't know. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I don't know about that. Uh, what do they have outside? Cobb is a you really know, good player. James, uh, he's an inside guy. Uh, you're talking about a retread in James Jones. I mean, How Aaron about Rodgers Devontae not Adams? working. Uh, come on. Well, if he was on the Cowboys, what would he be? The third receiver? I mean, he's not. not Devontae big time, Adams. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. Would he, be? he probably would be. Yeah, yeah, not not big time. I so. mean, I guess I guess I guess you you know I might see your point there. But that doesn't even matter, Emil. I mean, uh, Tom Brady had Tom Brady had Wes Welker and Randy Moss. I mean, who's who's a number one receiver in, in the game of football if not Randy Moss? He had all those tools. I'm just telling you, Moss, you better Moss have Moss for that one that one special year, yes. But Welker, I still I still contend that Brady made Welker more than. Oh yeah, I, I, look, I could hop on board with that, but you know what? Yeah. In that particular season, having a Randy Moss gave Wes Welker more room, you know. Uh, and then you had who's the guy you had Falk out the backfield to get you the annoying yeah. first down. Um, I, so he had I all mean, those I mean, weapons. I just, I guess at the I, end I of the day, Emil. Yeah, at the end of the day, though, if you can't run the ball when you have to run the ball, I'm not saying you got to lead the league in rushing. If you can't run the ball when you have to run the ball. You're not, yeah, it's going to be very difficult for you to win a Super Bowl because there might be that game where there's too much ice out there or it's too damn windy or they're dropping eight and nine guys, whatever the hell it may be, some kind of crazy coverage, anything that happens with a passing game. If you can't turn or you have a lead in a game um, similar to what the Saints had with the Giants and you can't put someone away, you can't shorten the game for the other team that's, you know, you can't strangle the losing team with the clock. And you're going to run into some trouble. You keep games alive. You know what we may have gotten a little carried away with the Packers because they have Aaron Rodgers, and he is so good. You know, we, we the Packers immediately got elevated in our eyes, in most people's eyes, in week two when they beat Seattle in what was billed as this you know NFC rematch game. They beat them by 10 at home. Now, obviously, in week two, we had no idea that Seattle would be what they are. Because, I mean, let's let's be honest on Sunday. Seattle's 4-4. Four and four. Um, they needed every minute of that game to beat a Cowboys team that had a guy playing quarterback that I'm not sure there's not better kids playing high school football, okay, down down in South Florida. Okay, Matt Castle looked absolutely atrocious. So what I'm getting at is I'm not as sh- – I think that Packers win That win, win doesn't mean as much now as it might have meant at that time. Yeah, Knowing what we know. And then, you know, you look at the rest of the schedule, I mean, they beat the Bears, okay. They beat the Chiefs, okay. They beat the 49ers, who just benched their quarterback, 17-3, okay. The, 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 
win against the Rams in Green Bay. Nice win. The Rams are a good team, pretty good team. But it's in Green Bay. You should win that. The Chargers stink. I mean, they beat them by seven. And then they played a, a, a good team on Sunday on, on a bye, and you start reading these stats to me about their record on a bye. I'm thinking, you know what? This Green Bay's got to win this game, but I'm not really, as I analyze this schedule, I'm thinking, you know what? They were not ready for a team like that. They hadn't played anybody even close to Denver's caliber. Yeah, um, I mean, that was a little bit damning that, you know, off of a off of a bye that they, not, not that they lost, because, you know, it is an undefeated team lost. playing in their place. It's just how they lost. That, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a, an eye-opener for everyone. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they Did you see the final stats in this game, by the way? Green Bay had 140 yards of total offense in this game. They had 45 snaps. They had 45 snaps in this day and age. To have 45 snaps is crazy. So um, kudos no, to mean, Denver but, who yeah Denver you know, did you got, it man that was yeah you got Peyton Manning and um, it's not all about him in the passing game and chucking the ball here and there it's you know we're gonna have a balance of t- you know listen I gotta take my hat off to Gary Kubiak because you're looking at a legend in the game of football um, and he is everyone's quarterback. And to come in and say, hey, we're going to change what it is that you do that has been so successful, you, and we're, here's what we're going to do now. Okay, we're going to balance things up a little bit, a little bit more uh, structured. It, the game is going to return to the sidelines, to the coach, and maybe pull it out of your hands a little bit, Peyton. And then we're going to win games with the with a, with a defense as well. And you know what? i got to give it to Peyton Manning, who, like, uh, like John Elway, has come to a point in his career and be like, hey, listen, all this – Passing superstar stuff is great. I'd like to leave this game with some hardware. And if this is going to get it done for me, then I'm on board with it. I wonder if John Elway has had that talk with Peyton Manning. I'm sure in passing, I don't think they sat down to have it, but I'm sure he's mentioned it or tried to you know, subtly nudge him that way. You scared me for a second, by the way. I was going to check you for a, a concussion. When you said mm. you said Gary Kubiak and we're talking about a legend, I thought you meant it, Gary Kubiak as a coach. I was like, huh? No, but he will be a legend if he's the guy that comes in and can, you know, change change uh, what Peyton Manning does and ends up raising the trophy at the end of the year. I mean, Jimmy Johnson came here and couldn't do it with Dan Marino. He couldn't change he couldn't change the culture here. Um, Dan Marino won out, and as a result, the Dolphins lost and Jimmy lost. And Jimmy said, "All right, f it, I'm out of here." So Kubiak's able and, to do but something. But to, to your Jimmy point, could. now to your point, and, and uh, again, not to take away from Peyton because he played very well on Sunday. But the one thing Peyton still has going for him is he's still the smartest guy playing at that position in the league. Okay, he sees yeah, things and, that other and, people and don't. Use that definitely. Not don't turn your brain off. Just, no, no. Don't need what your I'm arm, trying to say is, I'm firing. not sure that formula can work with his arm as we get to the playoffs because he's going to meet, need to make some plays. And the one thing that he had an advantage Sunday on, which I had no idea of how banged up they were, and they continued to get banged up during the game. Green Bay mm-hmm. had a bunch of rookies out there, and the, that I don't care if Peyton Manning had to throw the ball underhand. Peyton Manning playing against rookies is just a, a bad situation for you because he's going to mm-hmm. find the guy that doesn't know what mm-hmm. he's doing. And so, you know, I'm not sure if they get in there against the team that can cover and, and do some things that he's still not going to have some problems because the the ball just really is floating on him. Even on Sunday, it was it just he didn't need to make throws into windows. He was he was basically getting some guys. I say this. Reruns. I say this, Emil. You you remember John Elway when he came in this league? Um, he could just as soon throw 
you know, rocket a ball in between two guys for a first down as he could but take off. But he never really lost it. that. Uh, I, I mean, he might know, not have John thrown Elway, through car washes dry, but he still had a good arm. No, no, he never lost. He never lost that. What he did lose, though, uh, with the two Super Bowl games with braces on both knees, was that ability to pull the ball down and run for right. the first downs or or you know more. He didn't have that at the end, and he found a way to pattern his game in a successful nature without that element. And and this is what Peyton Manning's having to do. Like maybe I let me ask you, earlier. what do you think would happen to Manning if he did that helicopter at the end of that Super Bowl? If he if he got helicoptered, like do you think they they'd need to put him on a back brace or how do you think they take probably, him out of the stadium? He'd, he'd probably go <laughs> he'd probably go stand on the other team sidelines trying to talk to their coach. He'd probably be still. <laughs> Trying to figure out what the next series is going to I be. Mean, was still, I hear you. I mean, you're right. I'm, I'm making fun of it. But Elway was still the one thing he was always was a big man who, you know, when you take a great athlete and strip some of it away, he's still a pretty good athlete. You know what I'm trying to say? He was still like, yeah, you know, I think everyone in this league that plays that long, Emil, you lose you lose physical elements of your game and your brain's supposed to take over. I mean, Charles Woodson's not – uh, 1999, Charles Woodson, 2000, Charles Woodson. He's all over the field. Emil, I got a lot of admiration for his game right now. Oh yeah, leading the league play. at that's age impressive. 39. With yeah, and he's not. He's no, not that's impressive. Run out the field with Des Bryant. If he, you know, he's not doing that. Just I'm, I'm super smart now. I'm going to be where Des Bryant is supposed to be before he gets there. And so I think Peyton Manning is now anticipating throws a little better, releasing the ball sooner. And, yeah, are some balls going to float and he's going to look ugly? Sure, but I just think he's going to be able to do enough. We're going to see. Well, this will obviously all play itself out. By the way, you know what, what, else played itself what out? size jersey do you wear? I mean, are you a 44, or what are you, what are you wearing these days when I send that Peyton Manning jersey down there? Oh, well, send it down there. You know, I've been a Peyton Manning. I've been all over Peyton Manning. I've not been uh, a big Peyton Manning fan. I've appreciated what he's done in the regular season, but I've been the first one to kick him in the nuts about his postseason. No, you but have, and I'm just can. giving you. I have. I'm just giving you a hard time. You sound around. like me talking about Romo. I mean, I'm seeing, I'm seeing like <laughs> this gleam in your eye. <laughs> oh, I have this appreciation for what he is doing at this point in his career because it is the hardest thing for a professional in any endeavor to do is to. I've been so successful. Uh, doing this thing, and now I am going to bow out to this other thing and just ride with it and see where it goes. I got a lot of respect for him uh, doing that. Instead of going out, listen, um, I know this pisses people off down here, but Dan Marino, to the bitter end, wanted to throw the football around. I mean, it didn't matter that you didn't have Super Bowl rings. It didn't matter all of that stuff all those years. On his way out the damn door, he still wanted to throw the ball around and be all about that. And that truly has irritated me. Dolphin fans love Dan Marino's dirty draws, man. He can do no wrong. But you know what? He walked out of here with zero rings. So that's Well, great. and I think, I, think awesome. the bigger po- I think the bigger point is Dolphin fans at that point actually hindered, I think, Jimmy, and any chance Jimmy Johnson had to win down there. Because the truth of the matter is, if you go back to that period of time, the right move, and Johnson knew this, he just couldn't do it with the ownership and with the fan base. The right mm-hmm. move is when Marino still had some, some gas in the tank, would have been to mm-hmm. trade him at that time and get a bunch well, of Well, he picks. attempted to. He wanted to, and he couldn't. And, you know, yes. in response to that, I think it would have been really, really great if Dan Marino would have said, hey, look, you know what, I've thrown for enough yards. I've thrown a ball that could go all the way around the world and hit me in the back of the head. 
how about we? I just ride with this guy that just won two Super Bowls and just try and do it his way and let him bring in a big-time running back, and I just kind of take the background a little bit. And he wouldn't, and that that has that pissed me off. Let's say this. One last thing before we talk about our miserable picks. Um, can the St. Louis Rams please, for the love of God, we're talking all this about quarterbacks, please get a quarterback soon, please. I mean, you oh, got my, Todd yeah, Gurley. I mean, the, way Gurley the way Gurley's running that football and with that defense they have, it's going to be a shame to waste all that because I'm telling you right now, and, I mean, this is, you know, you don't need a football show to tell you this, that team is going nowhere with Foles, a quarterback. When they play a good team that can figure out a way to take Gurley away or slow him down uh, and, and make Foles beat them, that it's over, okay? They're going home, it's, and that's just a shame. You know, tragic. It's just tragic what they have, and they can't um, help it along by just getting a a decent quarterback. For God's sakes, I'm going to start making a list of guys they should probably think about getting. All right, we got to talk about these picks. Amol, I'm you know obviously in the car driving on Sunday, traveling, um, coming off of a, an undefeated college football Saturday, and I was six and zero last week, and I'm feeling good. I am a guru. I know everything. I know it all, and so. Uh, I'm in the car. The wife is being a really, really great wife, and she's driving, which, by the way, she, she always does some driving when we're traveling. So, you know, let me put that out there. She's a trooper on that. Um, I'm, half, I'm paying attention to the games, obviously, and I'm looking like I am going to have another 3-0 and Sunday. And with that, I don't well, we both are, because spot. you and I happen to, for people who didn't listen to Friday's show, for the first time in the history, the four-year history of our show, Chad and I ended up with the same three picks in in, in pros, and, and this never happened in college or pros. So we end up with the same three games, and I'm feeling like you. I'm watching the early part of these games. I'm seeing the scores come in. I'm feeling really good. You know, let's you know, let's just go down game by game. We'll start. You and I both took the Saints. The Saints were up like had a, 28 they, they 14. Had, I think when I dozed off, 28 14 lead. Oh, okay, this, we're good. And they're giving to at home. Done deal. Yeah, done deal. Yeah, they're giving three, and Breeze has 300 and some yards at halftime. I mean, you're just feeling like, you know, they could score 60 points. And basically, they almost did. But here's the problem. They allowed 49. At the end, we were left to get a tie game, somehow get the ball, and actually be gleeful that we took a push on this game, okay? I mean, the Saints, oh, I know. they won 52-49. We got a push, okay? Then the next game, again, same situation, the Steelers – we're given one and a half at home, and they, the game was ten six Pittsburgh, and I don't know if you felt like this, but um, in control, in control, it felt like you know the Steelers just are not going to give up a touchdown here. You know, you just you felt like it. then all of a sudden the floodgates open, the Bengals, the Bengals, uh, you know, score a touchdown thirteen ten, they get a field goal sixteen ten, and basically we can't win. We're given a point and a half, and 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 that throw at the end of the game, the Steelers got the ball down to the Bengals. 15-yard line, and I don't know where Ben was throwing that. Instead of just throwing it into the middle of the end zone where maybe he can get a lucky catch or a bat at ball, he throws one out the back of the end zone. Steelers lose 16-10. We take a loss there. And then this team, by the way, next team, Cleveland Browns, they're on my do-not-take list the rest of the year. They are an absolute tragedy. We have the Browns plus six. The Cardinals come east. They play the Browns on a 1 o'clock game on a short week. If you're ever going to win a game and you're Cleveland, this is it. They get out to a 20-7 to lead. In this game, the Cardinals turn the ball over four times. Count them, four. Mm-hmm. 
And still, which that in and Browns, of itself should get you a victory. That's right. Or at least a cover. And somehow the Browns managed to not only not cover, they lose by two touchdowns. 34 to That's 20. amazing. Well, that's amazing. From 20 to 7, the Arizona Cardinals proceeded to go 27 to 7. Well, or not I, know even you, that. I know I'm. 27 I, I, nothing. I, I, Is that what happened? Yeah, basically. 27 nothing. Did you take my sarc? I mean, I'm not being sarcastic when I texted you that on Sunday. There's a reason that for the better part of the last 60 years since the 1950s, the Browns have sucked. And, and and that was on full display Sunday. I know it's only one oh, game. Oh, did you think that, that I would disagree with that statement on Sunday? I mean, now I they're called the Browns for a reason. They stink like something that's brown. That's ridiculous. Yes, they do. You just can't lose. So, the game. Yeah. So the, that we ended up. You went o, o, you o, went o, o two and one. Okay. So uh, for the season, uh, th- that now puts you at ten wins, eleven losses with two pushes, and I went o two and one and. Uh, my pro record is a joke. I'm eight wins, 14 losses, and two pushes. Yeah, and it didn't, you know what, Emil? It just didn't have to be that way. All right, so we end the, uh, we end the NFL talk on that sour note. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to hit the college football. Uh, before we get out of here on the uh, Grid and, Gridiron Stud Show for a Tuesday, we'll be back right after this. high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting, we've got people visiting, we've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now, set your profile up, and let yourself be seen. But equally with the president, he's probably the worst president. Mike Wilmer. No flex. So. No flex. So. All right, we're back here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Uh, Amol, are you guys wearing T-shirts up there right now? What's the weather like? Uh, you know what? I, I know you're trying to be sarcastic and make me feel bad, but it's going to be 70 here the next three days, which, as you know, living in the north in the first week of November, if it's in the 70s, you're kicking ass. That should scare you folks up there with that whole global warming thing. But my that point is this. Scare me. We're, I'm, we're, my car is running in the driveway <laughs> right now. <laughs> We're wearing T-shirts down here, and we're going to be wearing them for the foreseeable future. So with that in mind, uh, I do need to remind people that screen-printed T-shirts are costly when done for small groups. Uh, You're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors means it's going to cost you more. So the answer is to do it yourself at home with an inkjet printer and a hand iron. I bet you guys didn't know you could do that, but you can't. Whether it's for your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself, and they'll look great. That's right. Heat transfer paper from our friends at T-ShirtSupplies.com. You can design your own logos, 
You could do the wording however you want. You could print it on your inkjet pra- uh, paper, sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. Save yourself a lot of money. The designs or pictures you put on your t-shirts are only limited by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you've never done it before, as T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service. They'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. So visit them now at T-ShirtSupplies.com. That's T-Shirt, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or you can call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-877-85-PAPER-T-SHIRTSUPPLIES.COM. Go there now. So no reason for us, Emil, to uh, revisit the whole uh Miami thing. All right. The game's not getting turned around. You people can just totally shut the hell up and be quiet. Um I don't always make it a point to talk about them on this show, but I do have to call, you know, I do I do need to bring this up. And I I went to the uh, Florida Georgia game. I'm impressed with the Florida Gators and what Jim McElwain's been able to do in his first season there with the team. Um how could going you out not there be? Yeah, you have to be. Um, he's you know, to go into that game against Georgia, with all of the pressure really being on you. Georgia um, not having as much pressure, and and to even, you know, show how much pressure they didn't have. They started another quarterback, and um, even in the face of that, uh, they go out there and dominate this team, twenty-seven to three in the big games. Florida has really shown up. And that even includes the game against LSU, which they ended up losing. But they go out there and put up 28 points and battle neck and neck. Uh, you know, 38-10 against Mississippi. Um, and then 27-3 against Georgia. He's doing an outstanding job. And the um, only thing left to do now is beat Vanderbilt this weekend. And, and they're in Atlanta. And no one had this Florida Gators team in Atlanta when the season began. No. Had- I tell you what, that's setting up as one hell of a game. I mean, you know, if you have a – a rematch of Florida LSU or Florida Alabama that should be I mean I'm I'm excited to see that game already. Well, you have three possibilities. Uh you can have Florida and LSU again. You can have Florida and Ole Miss again or you could have and this you know a bunch of this depends on the big game this this Saturday night between Alabama and LSU, but you could have you could have Florida and Alabama in that game. Um and that's that's kind of a throwback to the mid 2000s. So uh, it's going to be very, And very they may have, by the way, in that win, that win, I mean, you know, the question becomes now is, I mean, Mark Rick, I mean, at some point, I mean, does Georgia move on? He's had a nice run there. But, you know, it seemed like Georgia was one of those teams in the last 15, 20 years that have produced tons and tons. I mean, you can go through the, the NFL in the last 20 years and look at the number of Georgia players. Just, mm-hmm. just a lot of NFL-caliber talent. And not a mm-hmm. lot to show for it, really. I mean, he had some good years. You know, a couple top five finishes, certainly. I mean, there were some, some good years in there, no doubt. But, you know, for the amount of talent that came out of Georgia over the last couple of decades, I have to go back and look, but I'm going to say he might have had, what, two top five finishes? Yeah, and if you're Georgia, you got to decide what do you want. Do you want to chase a championship that you may or may not get, or do you want to stick with a guy who has the respect of his community, um, um, probably has the respect of the fan base who who – Though he has a respect, probably wants some kind of a change, or uh, and a guy who's produced NFL talent, or do you want to do like everyone else and go go chase these rings? It's a really a big decision that they have to come up with. I think what the powers that be at Georgia and the fan base is looking at is that um, Florida looks like they're going to be good for a while, and do you want to get to this cocktail party every year and f- come up short against 
the Florida Gators and watch someone else go to the SEC championship game. And um, and don't forget this year. I mean, a lot of Georgia fans, you know, I think there's a magic elixir, and I and I kind of I'm stealing one from Cowherd here. I, this is one I've, I've always believed in. We talked mm-hmm. about it a couple uh, weeks ago about identity. You know, what is your identity, whether you're a, a, a company, a person, or a sports team, right? And w- mm-hmm. that conversation came up with, the, you know, you and I talking about the USC coach and what, what is USC's identity. Well, I look at Georgia. To me, their identity under, under Rick, you know, especially when they've been good, is they play pretty good defense and they run the football. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. it's hard to say that Rick all of a sudden got stupid, Um Losing Nick Chubb, you know, he lost Gurley to the draft, and then he loses Chubb. That really mm-hmm. limits what you know what he can do because he is not necessarily a let's throw it around type of guy. Yes, they've had Matthew Stafford and Aaron Murray, but you know he's mm-hmm. he's pretty been pretty steadfast in his commitment to running the football, as far as I'm concerned. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not so sure you could say all of a sudden he's stupid. Like again, you know, in the same vein, I mean, Collard had a point. People, most coaches are not A-list coaches, and most coaches are not F-list coaches. I mean, there's very few Bill Belichick's and and uh, Urban Myers and Nick Sabins, and there's very few Rich Kotites. His point is yeah. most coaches are somewhere between a C minus and a B, which is really how most of us are in life. Most of us aren't Bill True. Gates. And most of us aren't reprobates. We're somewhere between. Yeah. So, do, does Georgia want to start getting into the sweepstakes of trying to find that guy that's going to deliver them a championship and probably have uh, a revolving door at that, you know, head coaching position? And there's no guarantee know, that you're going to. You know, what happens if you make the wrong hire? Okay. And now instead of being Georgia, where every four or five years we go eleven and two and, and we're in the top five and we're in the thick of it. And uh, you know the other years we're, we're still going nine and four, and we're going to a nice bowl game, and we're, we're a good team. What happens if you pick the wrong guy, and all of a sudden, and this can happen in the SEC? I know people say, "Oh, can't happen to Georgia." It could happen real quick. You're five and seven. What happens if that happens? What happens if you become Tennessee? Because because remember, Tennessee was Georgia for a long time. Nobody liked Phil Fulmer. You know, mm-hmm. he won the one championship the year after Manning left, and and in between he had a lot of really good teams that were you know. Not quite national championship, but ten and two, ranked in the top ten. But that wasn't good enough. So out he goes, and 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 what has Tennessee done for the last decade? They've been under five hundred many years. Yeah. Um, uh, quick question for you: How would you define how would you define a dynasty in college football right now? What what would be your requirement for that? For me, it's not the way most I, – I always said I think the way – until you have a, a system where you have an eight-team playoff where you get an automatic bid for winning your major Power Five conference where, you know, if you win the Big Ten and you're nine and three, you're in, okay, and then there's mm-hmm. three at large, okay. Until you get mm-hmm. that, I feel that the championships are still a little goofy. It's better than what we had. But I say if you're, if you're finishing if – you're, if you're a contender to be a top five team every year – for mm-hmm. for maybe five six seven years you've got a dynasty mm-hmm. going. If you're in that top five mix, and, and you know, let's say over a seven year period you finish in the top five six years, and maybe the other year you're in the top ten, that's a dynasty to me. Because to to say that you know oh you got to win multiple championships, it's 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 not the NFL where you have a defined playoff system. It's it's there's you know you could get left like last year. Who's to say? T- mm-hmm. With what did TCU do to not earn the right to play for a championship last year? They went twelve and one. Playing, playing a playing a defenseless conference, 
uh, and not have a but championship. But they went out and took care of their business in a bowl game outside that conference. They showed you what they were made of. My only point is to say that it's only based on a championship when you have a system where there's five major conferences and we only have four teams in the playoff. I don't think you can make that the only criteria. I think you have to look at more, you know, are you in the mix every year? Are you a top five team every year? Like for me right okay. now, there's one dynasty going, and that's Alabama. Okay, so that, good. Well, let me ask you this question. So, uh, you know, and maybe Ohio cool. State because Ohio State's getting really close. Meyer had the 12 and 0 team the first you, year. It's he was not on long probation. enough, though. It's not. It's not long enough. Not long based, enough yet. Based on what you just said. Not long so enough. So let's yet. go back 20 years because we are talking about Mark Richt and what does Georgia want to look like going forward. Over the last 20 years, so we're going to go back to 1995, uh, how many dynasties have we had? We're going to say USC, that's a for sure, right? And Miami. And we're going to say, and we're going to say Alabama. Are we saying Miami? Uh, because Miami was in it. 90, they, they, were, they, were, they only played in two championship games. Yes, but for me, the 2000 team uh, that, that beat Florida in the Sugar Bowl and finished been number in three. It. Could have Should've easily been in, been in it. I mean, you could have made a case either way. They won that 27-24 game in the Orange Bowl against Florida State. Mm-hmm. Florida State had one loss. They had one loss. Washington had one loss. There was probably three teams that could have made a case to play Oklahoma in that game. So mm-hmm. I definitely say that was a great Miami team, finished number three okay. and number two in the country. Then the next Who year else? they won it. You yeah, know, who I mean, else are we putting in there? So we've got USC, Alabama, Miami, Florida, obviously, under the Urban Meyer years. So we've got four there. Are we putting LSU in that? Yeah, you know they had a couple, um, they had two, two, two they championships. Two, but the problem I have with LSU, maybe. Let me think about this. They had two different coaches. Give me a second here, if you'll if you'll indulge me. If you'll indulge sure. me, I want to go. I want to go back to. I, I want to look at what was in, in 2003. They split the national championship with USC. I want to go back mm-hmm. and see in 2007. They had that two-loss team, which is the only one to ever win the national championship that we know of recently. Um, mm-hmm. You know, without going into story, let's see what they did those three years in between. Just kept, they were nine and three in 2005, four, so that's mm-hmm. good, good mm-hmm. record. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see, 2005, they came in at uh, eleven and two. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what? Based just without even going into 2006, I'm going to say that when you have a five-year run that's bookended by national championships, and you go nine and three, eleven and two, and you know whatever the heck they were in 2006, uh, they were uh, eleven and two that year. Yeah, that was uh, that was a mini dynasty, sure it was. Yep. Okay. Um, we could say Ohio State. Can we do that? The Trestle years played in two championship games. Sure. One. Yeah. One. Yeah. I mean. So, listen, I, he, 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 Here's here's what I can say. Let's let's even we'll go one step further. Okay, Alabama and USC, I would say, were all-time elite dynasties. Okay, because when you mm-hmm. look, they had multiple championships. They won multiple BCS bowl games. I mean, Alabama and USC. I mean, I know USC played in seven in a row and won six. I don't know what Bama is, but it's pretty damn close to that um, mm-hmm. as far as being in them. Okay. Then I'm going to say there's the, a, a tier of dynasty below that, right below that is Miami, only because it was a great team, but not as long, but but definitely that that era. Okay, I'm going to say Ohio State with 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 Trestle. I'm going to say Oklahoma mm-hmm. with Stoops. I know that kills people, big game Bob, but they played in the no because that was another one on my list to ask about here. I think we're done here though. USC, Alabama, LSU, and Florida. Ohio, you got seven of them. I would say in the last 20 years, you've got seven. 
legitimate dynasties, two super ones, like I said, Alabama mm-hmm. and USC, and five other ones that had little mini dynasties. Yeah, that could be in or out, and you know, no one would shoot yeah. you in the head for making a decision either way. So in 20 years, seven dynasties uh, with some questionables, and think about how many teams were in that race. So if you're Georgia, um, what's your gamble here? I mean, because it's there's there's quite the there's quite the the odds are stacked against you setting up a dynasty in this day and age anyway. And there's always the chance that you can keep Mark Rick there, and you'll go through some some years like this one. But he hasn't forgot how to coach football, and at some point he could put together the assistants. Uh, or get that right guy in there, whether it's an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, and make that run at a national championship and raise the trophy? Or do you well, go out you're, and... You're probably asking the wrong guy to have this conversation with because I really don't think they should get rid of Rick. I mean, you'd have to get a fan on here who could try to argue with you because here's my thing. I mean, I'm telling you from my own personal perspective, my team right now, I'm praying to God Clay Helton keeps winning. I want mm-hmm. USC to keep him. I like you what he does. You want some stability there. I like stability. I like what he does. I like the attitude. I like the physicality he's brought back to the program. I like the fact that he understands the school. He's been there for four years. The kids love him. See, I'm not big, and I don't think there's any great – I don't think there's any magic formula. There's very few Nick Sabins and Urban Myers. If you find one that's 40 years old, you, you probably got lucky, okay? So when you are at a school like a Georgia or a USC that produces the type of NFL talent they do, I think it's important to get the kids wanting to play for a guy. And if you know they're mm-hmm. going to play hard and he can mm-hmm. recruit and he's not a total idiot with X's and O's, I'm mm-hmm. not really so sure you go out like and hand the keys to those programs over to this guy from Houston who's hot right now or the guy from Memphis, Fuente. We don't uh, or, uh, Guys, you know, man. We don't what? even know. We, do, we don't. No. We don't. No, that Tom it's Herman totally guy. different. When you're at Memphis and you're at Houston and you start winning games – in other words, you're under the radar. You're in a smaller conference. Um, no you expectations. Once in a, no expectations. Yeah, you could put. And you go. You beat Mississippi. Mississippi isn't taking you like you're Alabama. Okay, and that's not to say it wasn't a great win for the Memphis program. You go to Georgia or USC. The expectations are every year you're going to be in the top five. That's the expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, different. And, and, that's and it'll different. change everything. I think we're going way too fast on the whole Tom Herman thing. I think we need to slow down on that, and I'm with you. I don't know that you need to get rid of Mark Rick. Is this a disappointing season? Absolutely it is, no doubt about it. But you'll have those. I don't care who you bring in. So I think if you get rid of uh, Mark Rick, you're, you're, you're asking for the revolving door at Georgia, and is that really what you stand for and what you want? So we'll have to see there. Um, you know, I, a couple of other quick things. What do you make of Iowa being undefeated? Should we respect that, or is this, you know, they're on borrowed time here? Or should we? Well, you know, they're a good team. They've won all. They're going to win their next four know. games, Amel. Well, yeah, know, I'm not going to sit here and crucify undefeated. Iowa because they've done everything that that they could possibly do at Iowa this year. They had a schedule. It was given that to them by the Big Ten, but, though, man. It's it's but. I mean, they know the. Well, way that's to, the conference. I mean, let's you know, let, let's go out of conference, okay? They, the, the Illinois State opener, I'll give them a pass on because everybody does that. Then they played Iowa State, which is their their rival from the Big Twelve, mm. and then they played yeah. Pitt, who happens to be six and two. I'm not saying. I mean, you know, it's not a horrible out of conference schedule. North Texas, and then they played the. They got lucky this year. Wisconsin's down. It's not a great Wisconsin team. It's a decent team, but not great. They beat them 10-6 at Wisconsin. 
Um, Northwestern was hot when they beat them 40 to 10. I mean, they hammered mm-hmm. them. I mean, it's, listen, I'm not trying to tell you that I think Iowa is a top five team. They're not, and they'll probably play Michigan State or Ohio State or Michigan and get crushed in the Big Ten championship game, or at least beaten handily. But I think they're a good team. I mean, they're going to be ranked because of their record. They're certainly not one. What do you do if they lose? What do you do if they lose by seven points in that championship game? Are they still considered for the college football playoff? Do you keep them in? No, because they'll be out anyway. No, they're out anyway at that point. Because why would they be out? To... They'd be amongst several one-loss teams that would have an opportunity. Yeah, they're not. I mean, that. you know, they're not. They're, they're, I mean, at that point, people are going to rank that, those teams based on the, the body of work, and they're going to say, "Well, Iowa." You know, they're going to see what you see and I see. They're going to say, "Listen, it's a nice team. They had a great year. Send them to a good bowl game as a reward." But this is not a playoff team if they lose that game. If they win the game, then they're going to be in the playoff. And guess what? If they're thirteen and zero, they should be in the playoff if they beat Ohio State. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. They'd probably be one of the weakest, undefeated teams. You're going against something you've taught me now. Wait a second here. You're you're going to start. Remember, we've always a said win is a win is a win is a win. And let's not go by what we suppose we think we know. Let's go by what we know. And if if Iowa wins thirteen games, capping it off with a win over, say, the defending undefeated national champion Ohio State. All yeah, you got to put them there. I'm not even advocating that. Yeah, you and you're saying they're weak, but that. are they weak though, or are they just an ugly team? Though, Emil, there was talk of people not wanting to put um, Florida State in the championship, uh, in the college football playoffs last year. And they were an undefeated football team because yes, no one was I know. impressed with I who know. they beat. But I go back to you. They, all, you taught me that. Remember? See, I'm giving you credit for something. We, let's go by what we know. What we know right now is they played all their games and they won them. Do I think they're one of the – if you're asking me, do I think they're one of the 10 best teams in the country? No. On a neutral field, I think there's definitely 10 or 12 teams that could beat them pretty pretty easily. But that doesn't mean I know that. I just I think that. Yeah, well, still an imperfect system. All right, we got to run here. But let's talk about the college football picks um, where yeah, that was the happier part of the two days in terms For of For you it was. Yeah, uh, you ran into I'll a little bit I'll go first and get mine out of the way. I had a winner on Friday. With Wake Forest, I told you guys there's no way in God's green earth Louisville should be laying 11 points on the road. And that was my, my only winner in college football and an easy one. Uh, Louisville won 20 to 19. I got a win there. Um, I got suckered in on that Notre Dame game. I really thought, I mean, I still like Notre Dame, but I just thought they, you know, they had too many athletes for Temple. And, you know, I give Temple kudos for playing such a good game, but I also raise an eyebrow about Notre Dame here. It was a big game. It was the game of the week. It's not like they got caught looking ahead. Uh, They needed every ounce of their being to hold off Temple 24-20 and uh, makes me question whether I should be trumpeting Notre Dame for the playoff at this point because uh, I expected more there. They, They gave 11. They won by four. I took a loss. And then finally, Kentucky, I don't know what went on there. I mean, at one point, they had the lead in this ball game. They were getting eight and a half points at home against Tennessee, and they just got absolutely manhandled from about the middle of the second quarter on. They got beat by about four touchdowns. I took a loss there, one and two on the week. My college record still stands at a more than respectable 16 and 11. Overall, uh, yeah. 24, 25 with two pushes. So I'm a game under 500. I've got uh, some work to do the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I mean, being five games over. Uh, uh, you know, 500 is is definitely a good place, especially this deep into the season. So, kudos to you on that. I had a good week because not only did I win all of these games, it was done in 
Um, very easy fashion, I would say. Nebraska, um, they had hurt me a couple of times this year, so I turned around and flipped to the other side, and I love it when that works that way. Um, they go, they gave up 55 points to Purdue. What are the folks I, – I, I, you know, I haven't jumped into this, but the folks at Oregon State have written some kind of digital letter for the folks at Nebraska about their head coach, <laughs> almost like a thanks for taking him type deal. Um, somewhere Bo Pelini's like, look at this bull crap. Um, you got rid of me for this. 55 points to Purdue, man. Yeah. Um, Nebraska's yeah, back. Yeah, it was is, not good. Yeah, let's just put it that way. Their back is uh, completely broken, and so I'm happy to have uh, been been a part of that whole deal and see the back about to break and jump right on that thing. Penn State and Illinois, you did say this is the kind of game Penn State wins, and boy, did they do that. Illinois, there's something that happens to Illinois when they leave the state, and that is like they don't take any football with them. So no. I guess that showed up to uh, Pennsylvania with pillows, and that's not going to get them a win. They didn't even come close. Uh, a runaway here, and this is the kind you want when you're when you're picking games like this. Penn State wins 39 to nothing. So uh, yep. very happy about that. I had a couple of maybe tense moments with Colorado and UCLA because there were some times it looked like UCLA was ready to make this thing blow. But Colorado has been feisty all year long. I watched it earlier this year when I picked Oregon over them. Even though I got the cover with Oregon, Colorado was uh, a team that wanted to fight, and they had they had a chance to win this game, which is awesome when you're getting 23 points on your pick. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they did a they. They played like Colorado. Yeah, that was, that was actually a great pick. And, you know, I don't know if you saw this because of a situation or whatever, but I I obviously, as a USC fan, watch enough UCLA. I see UCLA's defense regressing as the year's gone on. Now, part of it is some injuries they've taken with Jack and some other guys. And and I don't know if it's scheme or whatever, but the, their defense is going backwards. It's not going in the right direction. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. I still say there will be one nice Thing, if they could just do this one thing, it would solve a whole lot of that, and that is just at least get at least get two badass defensive linemen, two MFs the block, and I think a lot of your problem would be solved, and you, you'd solve a little bit of your identity crisis, um, which is even though you're now dressed in black in a lot of your games, um, you still have that image of being soft. And if you got some defensive linemen that were in there pushing people around and punching people in the mouth and making plays in the backfield, it would change a lot of that. I don't well, know. Like I don't know everything. Accountant. They're like an accountant that gets a tattoo or something to look tough. I mean, their school colors are <laughs> powder blue and gold, and they're wearing black. I mean, it's almost like they're trying to. Uh, they're hard. trying to do something to change the image, man. But I promise you, if you just come down here in these swamps down here and grab one of these kids that's 300 pounds and can run, um, and that run track. How about a 300-pound kid running track? Um, if you grab one of them kids down here, uh, or two of them, and you get them over there to Westwood and convince them that Westwood is really a great place to be, which wouldn't take very long, you could kind of change some of uh, your outlook on, on, on your well, toughness you, and everything else. You can else fix UCLA's uh, recruiting problem on your show tomorrow night. Before I mean, before yeah. we run, I've got to brag on you. You went 6-0 and in college the last two weeks combined. That's very impressive. Uh, your college record is 19 and 8, which is really impressive. I mean, obviously, you don't have to be a genius to figure that one out. And your overall record sits at 20 wins, 9 wins, 19 losses, and a couple pushes. 10 games over 500 halfway into the season. Good work, my friend. Good work. Yeah, I'm uh, going to try and keep that continuing. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to have to reevaluate uh, the Browns and if that if I ever want to pick that team again. But nevertheless. Um, I'll take it. It was a it was a good week, a winning week, thanks to uh, the the Saints not taking a loss in that game. So hey, I guess as they say, I'll take it. And there you go. 
Yeah, you oh, have good it. job. Yeah, so we're uh, we're back at it again to do our football Friday. Hey, that football Friday is really gaining steam. So um, people really starting to like that. So uh, we like bringing it to you. So Emil's back with me on Friday. I will have the recruiting show tomorrow night, and uh, you know what I do on Thursday. So um, we'd like to thank you all for listening to today's show, the weekend wrap, and um, back on tomorrow. Thank you all for listening. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. See you guys tomorrow. No sentir or surprise the end I'll never look into your eyes To all you high school recruits out there You want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today We got college coaches visiting We've got people visiting We've got fans visiting If you want to be seen Get your video up there right now It's easy Create a profile Takes two minutes Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridEyeStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now, set your profile up, and let yourself be seen.